Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode, which is a special one, rounding up the reads of 2022. Keep listening to find out some of the best reads that I read last year. Welcome back, I'm your host Steph Clark and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week's episode is a little bit different and there are a few changes coming for 2023 which means I will need to change that intro but more on that later. Actually I'll put a little bonus episode out about that so keep your eyes open for that but this week on this episode kind of like a smooth transition back into the new year. I haven't recorded for a couple of weeks, so here it is. Here's your little treat that you've been waiting for, the full roundup, a bit of few stats, got a few stats for you as well on what I read last year and what I enjoyed and and some of the highlights. Now, as usual, I love to hear what other people have been reading. So if you want to join in this conversation, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Steph's Biz Bookshelf, on LinkedIn, Steph Clark, Clark with an E on the end, Steph with a PH. Or you can sign up to my newsletter, which is called The Bookmark. That is going to be continuing through 2023, which you can find using the link at the top of the show notes in your podcast player. Click the link, head over to The Bookmark, sign up there for bookish information, reviews, things I've been reading, enjoying, watching, etc. as well. It's got a bit broader than books in that one. I often share podcast recommendations too, uh, and often things to watch and listen to outside of the realms of podcasts and, and books. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, that is where you can sign up for that. And because it's hosted on Substack, you can reply to it and you can comment on it and you can join in the chat over there as well. I would love to hear what you've been reading. All right, let's get into this week's episode, though. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some stats of my reading for the year and then my top books that I read based on my ratings for the year. So first up, a few stats. Now, if you are curious, I use an app called Storygraph or The Storygraph to record all my bookish goings on, partly because I I used to use Goodreads, as I know a lot of people do use Goodreads. Moved away from it a couple of years ago because Goodreads is owned by Amazon and I was trying to kind of separate myself where I could from some of those types of organisations. And The Storygraph is a cool, independently owned operation and app which I quite like and it's got some different cool features that I enjoy over what the Goodreads app has and Goodreads I just found the UI not that great uh, as well I found it actually a really ugly app so so I much prefer Storygraph for that reason for the stats and for the fact you can give even quarter stars to something as well which is quite cool too so that's some information you didn't ask for but I gave you anyway so yeah Storygraph is what I use to track all my reading so I read 52 books this year my goal for those of you who have been been paying attention you remember my goal was 45 so I smashed that now the goal was 45 because I wanted to give myself this space to be able to read some longer books I didn't do that because (laughs) I get too into reading shorter books and ticking off you know sort of another little notch on the on the reading list and getting another book kind of ticked off so I didn't actually reach my overall goals I suppose so whilst I exceeded my book total goal I didn't actually necessarily reach all of the goals I had around uh, around what I wanted to read but that's okay 
there's always more time for for these other books uh in total i read apparently 14,129 pages that does include the equivalent pages in audiobook as well i'll talk to you about audiobooks and how i read those this year as well the average length of book was 295 pages the average rating i gave this year was 3.64 and highlights in january so actually my average rating in january was four stars and may was a bad month i remember doing my may wrap up actually and being like that was a terrible month of reading in terms of the quality of books I'd read. So May was a a low point of my scoring for the year. In terms of the split of books this year, actually a lot more, a lot more varied than normal. So I had 29% of my books were digital. So that would be Kindle type books or eBooks. So that's 15 books in total book form. 42% of my books were physical hard copy books. Now I know that this year I did feel like I did, I felt like I did read more hard copy books. I think a couple of those might be mistagged in in Storygraphs. I think maybe a couple of those actually should be more in digital. So I reckon it was probably a bit more even between digital and physical. But that said, there were a few more physical books this year uh, than previous years. So 22 of those uh, of my total books were physical according to Storygraph though like I said might be a couple of discrepancies in that data and this one is I know correct so audiobooks 29% as well so same as digital according to this so 29% was audiobooks so 15 which is a new thing for me this year so again if you've been playing along at home or following along at home you might remember that this year I made a bit of a thing or a bit of a intention let's say to read more audiobooks if that makes sense listen to more audiobooks I guess and this year because I've always really struggled with audiobooks but at the same time I know that audiobooks I can read at times that I wouldn't maybe normally be reading so potentially particularly on things like long flights I don't really like reading on planes makes me feel a bit sick even if I take uh, the medication travel sickness tablets and things so audiobooks I had a couple of long flights this year so I thought actually audiobooks be a really good way of doing that same as when I'm walking and things as well I've really enjoyed getting into audiobooks, but really thinking about what type of books I want to read in inverted commas on audio. And what I've done is I've only read on audiobooks or in on audible books read by the actual person who has written it and predominantly autobiographies memoirs that type of thing and I've really really enjoyed that actually a couple of those made it into my top books which I'll talk about in a moment and I've just found those really compelling really enjoyable and actually a bit of reading for enjoyment rather than just reading to get the three big ideas or to take something away and in particular my problem with audiobooks previously has been that I obviously because of the podcast but also just because of the way I like to read I like to make notes and to highlight things and that's just less possible and less tangible and a little bit clunkier in audiobooks I know there's tools for it but it's just not quite how I like to work or 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 read etc so I found that actually reading books that I don't need to make notes on because they are books I'm kind of just listening to for enjoyment was a really nice way of listening to audiobooks and getting some like you know an extra that was an extra 15 books that I wouldn't have read this year otherwise that's pretty cool I also read two fiction books this year, so 50 of the books were non-fiction, two of the books were were fiction. The two fiction books I read were The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald and the recent book that has come out, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. It's quite a recent book, It's it's got a stunning cover. I read it on my Kindle so I didn't get the full effect of the cover, but it is a beautiful, beautiful cover great typography as well so if you have seen that one floating around it's getting a lot of hype it's won several awards and it's being talked about a lot so if you have read that one I'd love to compare notes I don't want to give away too much but I did find myself very very hooked on it and got through it pretty quickly as a result 
Always a good sign, I think, with some fiction. The thing I also like about reading fiction, because it's not something I do a lot of, I'm pretty choosy and I'm very happy to just stop reading a fiction book if it's not grabbing me within the first kind of 20 pages or so. I can be a hard marker with fiction, which I quite enjoy, whereas non-fiction I tend to stick with because I want to tell you about it and tell you to avoid it if it actually turns out to be trash, which some of it sadly is. All right, stats over. Let's talk about the top books I read this year, what I liked about them. A lot of these books are books that I've talked about, so I will link to the full episode. So I'm not going to go into all the three big ideas again for these ones, but I will link to those episodes in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to those if they are ones you have missed. All right, so my top three books, these were the three books that I gave five stars to this year. The top three were Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. I know that has been a favorite of a lot of people in 2022 and Imaginable by Jane McGonigal. I think if I was going to be, if I was going to have to put them in an order, I'd find it pretty hard, but I think Imaginable would be my number one, Stolen Focus number two, and then Brave New Work number three, but it's pretty tight at the top there. Let's start in that order. So Imaginable by Jane McGonigal. It's a book about futurism. It's a bit about futures thinking more specifically. And Jane McGonigal, super fascinating. She works at an organization called the Institute for the Future, but she's also a game designer by trade. And that makes her thinking about how we think about the future incredibly interesting and brings this awesome perspective to thinking about the future and how we should be considering how we live, how we work, what we should be looking out for in terms of signals and how to interpret those and how to use that information to prepare better for big shocks and things that may happen. And the important thing she talks about is that futures thinking is not about being right. It's not about predicting the future and saying that this is what is going to happen, but it's about being imaginative and saying, hey, this thing is happening at the moment. What could that look like in 10 years time if this happened or if that happened? What are the potential futures that could emerge? And then being able to take action from that to either avoid those futures. If you're like, wow, this could turn down a really dark road. Let's let's work together to avoid that or to make something happen if you're like, oh, actually, this could be pretty cool. This could really improve the way of living or the way we do healthcare or, you know, whatever it is, and being able to then influence that from a different perspective. It's an incredible book. I loved it. I bought it hard copy as well. I read it on my Kindle and then bought it hard copy to refer to. I have recommended it to too many people. I should be on commission. Jane, if you're listening, please put me on commission because I would be, I think, a very rich lady as a result for how many people I've told to buy this book and people I have bought this book for as well. Uh, And also, it's also just made, from a personal perspective, it has tweaked the direction that I want to go with my work as well so I think from a more fundamental perspective that is pretty cool I think if a book can make you do that the next book I talked about was or the second one I'd say if I was going to have to rate these in order Stolen Focus by Johan Hari as I mentioned this is one that a lot of other people have read this year and I've talked to a lot of people about uh, what they enjoyed and that it really made them think again as well and I think This is the thing I really want with books. And I think these three books are a brilliant example of this. They are books that challenge the current way of doing things. They're not just derivative of other books. They are really starting to challenge what we're doing, what direction we're going and how to think about that and what to do about that as a result. Stolen Focus, Johan Hari absolutely does that as well. So Johan is a journalist. I also, a couple of years ago, talked about his book, Lost Connections, which again is a book I still talk about and think about a lot in terms of the role of things like loneliness and depression and and mental health. Uh, Really, really cool book as well. So he's a journalist, also a fantastic writer. And as I've said several times before on this podcast, I, I often really enjoy the work of journalists because they 
come at it from all different angles rather than just that kind of narrow angle of someone maybe like a researcher or the far too broad angle of someone who's more of a subject matter expert or practitioner who's just kind of combining other people's thoughts on the most part as well. So Stolen Focus talks about how we are losing our our attention spans and the role of big technology but also other fields as well so this is not just a book about oh you need to go on a digital detox in fact he says exactly the opposite but he talks about the systemic elements of our focus being diminished why that's really dangerous and why we need our focus and our attention to solve the bigger problems but also the fact it goes beyond technology and yes there are things we can do and we absolutely still do need some level of personal accountability and responsibility but we need to actually be thinking about voting for demanding changes in the systemic elements of big tech big pharma and even things down to our food supplies healthcare etc as well so that's Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Really, really interesting read and kind of a heavy subject, I suppose, but very, very readable book. And I really like the, the humour, but also the relatedness that Johan brings to his writing. The final of these top three is Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan. Brave New Work is a book about completely rethinking work and how we work. There are elements of it which link to the work around humanocracy, if you've read that. I think this, so I read Humanocracy in December actually while I was away because it had been mentioned a few times in the work of of Aaron Dignan in Brave New Work and also in the podcast Brave New Work that Aaron co-hosts with Rodney Evans. I found Brave New Work a way more accessible book and a little bit broader as well and a bit more applicable. Humanocracy, no, this is not an episode about humanocracy, but humanocracy was a bit more academic and I found a little bit more vague, whereas Brave New Work is very usable. So really liked it. I really liked Aaron's perspective. The examples in there are fantastic of organisations who are radically rethinking how organisations are structured so that they are more self-managed, they are more decentralised on the most part and they are getting way better results for their clients, for their investors, for their stakeholders, shareholders, etc., partners and employees as a result of this. This is not just something that the, a few quirky companies are doing and suffering as a result. Like they're not, they're not successful in other ways, you know, in, in more traditionally successful ways. So financially, for example, as a result of working in these quirky ways, they are blowing competition out of the water in a lot of cases in their service, in their delivery and in their financials by working in this way that is radically different and really challenges the status quo around power dynamics, around ego, around all of the things that certain people, certain groups will not and do not want to let go of. But if they did, they would benefit from it greatly. So Brave New Work, if you're really thinking about rethinking work, particularly if you're a leader, particularly if you're working in HR, I think if you aren't aware of some of these practices and some of this stuff going on, you are probably doing a massive disservice to some of the consulting and the work you're doing internally or externally, depending on your role, in order to really rethink things like yeah, org structure and design. So highly, highly recommend Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan for those reasons. So again, those top three books were Imaginable by Jane McGonagall, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, and Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan. Now, I did want to do a bit of an honourable mention to some books that were very close ones. So I had four books that were scored a four and a half star, a couple of 
audiobooks in this one. I then had 15 other books that had four stars. So I'm not going to mention all of those because uh, because we would be here all afternoon. But what I will do in the link to the show notes, uh, the link in the show notes as well, is put the link to my story graph wrap for the year, which means you can go and have a look for yourself what I read and how I scored it and all of the different ratings I gave all of the different books I read. So if you find that interesting, it will be in the show notes too. So the ones that were the ones that were the ones that got away, the close ones. Two books that are more in this kind of non-fiction, then I'll talk about the two audiobooks. So the first one is Big Feelings by Liz Fossian and Molly West Duffy. This was actually the last episode before we sort of finished for the year, before Christmas. Last podcast episode I did was about this book, so Big Feelings. Really enjoyed it. It was a, just a really delightfully different book in terms of the way it was presented as well, with all the illustrations and the little elements of humour. And I always appreciate a book where it is not just reams of text on a page for... 295 pages whatever my average was this one is is delivered in a bit of a different way and also in a really hopeful way that is like hey these are some of the big feelings you might be feeling in life at work and how to work with those and things that are myths around those and I think that was particularly helpful definitely some stuff I have fallen into and still believed until I read the book and thought oh actually maybe that's not so true or not so helpful in that situation and then also some things you can practically do if, if you find yourself feeling some of those big feelings, which inevitably we all will. So that's Big Feelings by Liz Fosslian and Molly Westuffy. The next of the non-fiction of these four and a half stars was Creative Acts for Curious People, which is a Stanford D school book. So it's more of a textbook, but it's super practical. It's pretty chunky. I've got it really as a reference book. So it's not one I've necessarily sat down and read cover to cover. It's not really that kind of book. But what it does have is if you are a facilitator, if you are running meetings, if you are running workshops in your organization, you can pick any of the different sections and there's sections for all different needs. If you want to think more creatively, if there's a conflict in a team, all of these different situations. So it's more of a reference book. It's a bit of a different one to ones I've maybe talked about before, which is probably why I haven't shared the three big ideas about it because it's more of an activity book than anything uh, but super useful really much more up to date than maybe some of the other ones as well which some of those types of books can get a little bit tired and out of date I think a little bit quickly but a nice resource to have kicking around your office to give yourself a bit of a refresh or a bit of a kick if you need to approach your workshop your meetings your whatever it is you're facilitating in a bit of a different way and it's definitely something you don't need to be a professional facilitator in order to do but you could definitely be using and thinking about and tips and approaches and methods that you can be using, whatever your role is. If you are leading a group of people in any way, there'd be something in there for you to use that might be a little bit different to what you normally do. So that's Creative Acts for Curious People, which is a Stanford D School book. And then the final two that I gave four and a half stars to, both nonfiction, but both listened to on audiobook, both memoir kind of things. So Good Pop, Bad Pop by Jarvis Cocker. If you're not aware of Jarvis Cocker, he is the lead singer of Pulp, or was the lead singer of Pulp. And this is his book going through all the crap he found in his attic or his loft, depending on which part of the world you're from, that he needed to clear out. And that during lockdown, he pulled out all of this stuff, all this memorabilia, all these things from his childhood and basically told the story of his life and some of the scrapes he's got in and some of the wins he's had and some of the successes and also some of the really hard times through the medium of his junk, basically, that he found in the attic. It was just a joy to listen to. I really, I, I like Jarvis Cocker a lot anyway, but particularly enjoyed his trip down memory lane using all this stuff and deciding whether to cop it. So to throw this, these particular bits 
bits of things out or to keep it, which is the, the thing he used throughout the book on whether he was going to keep something or not. And then finally, slightly controversial potentially, given then what happened in the year, was Will by Will Smith. Just a really open, honest, pretty raw, pretty hard in places to listen to account of Will's life to date. His pretty hard upbringing all the way through to his 50th birthday and what he did for his 50th birthday, which I won't, uh, I won't spoil for you because it's right at the end of the book. And that's kind of what it's what it all goes towards his family some of the ways he thinks about things how he builds his teams how he gets things done some of the ways he has thought about how to get ahead and particularly in in Hollywood and in in industries that are incredibly competitive and some of the challenges he came up against along the way as well now obviously you know Will Smith went into everyone's bad books for a period of time last year as well which actually I'd only recently finished reading or listening to this book not long before the Oscars thing happened so it was really interesting to kind of think okay well based on sitting with Will for 10 hours or whatever it was that I listened to what might have been going through his head when that happened and it's, it was really actually quite interesting to kind of think about oh okay well that kind of makes sense why that happened given what he talked about in the book and stuff as well so anyway if you are open to listening to Will Smith I highly highly recommend that particular audiobook so Will by Will Smith and it is read by Will Smith Two books actually I do want to mention that they are in the four they are in the four star category, but I recommended them so much last year. That is This Working Life by Lisa Leong and Monique Cross. And I didn't do the thing today by Adeline Dorr. I recommended them heaps last year. I bought them for a couple of people as well. So I want to mention those as well because I read them right at the beginning of the year, right in January. January is a good month for books. That was when Johan Hari and Imaginable Jane McGonagall fell into the red pile or the reading pile as well. So yeah, January is a good month. But yeah, so I didn't do the thing today by Madeline Dorr, which is about rethinking productivity. And then This Working Life by Monique Cross and Lisa Leong, all about rethinking careers and work and what that means, which links to their podcast, also called This Working Life on the ABC. <sighs> right, well... We've covered a lot. So those are all the books. All of those lists or that list will be in the show notes, along with links to the episodes where they are books, where there are books that I have done an episode on to share. And like I said, keep listening. Next week, I'll do a little episode about some 2023 reading plans, but also a couple of tweaks to the schedule for the podcast and plan for the podcast this year as well. All right. Well, let's And as I said earlier, let me know what you have been reading, any highlights from your reading pile from last year, if you've done a little bit of a look through your own stats as well. I'd love to know what you've been reading. As I mentioned, all those links are in the show notes. So drop a note and say hi. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.